0: Welcome to the Future Print Podcast, celebrating print technology and the people behind
1: it. And uh, welcome to this next Eco Print Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to have with me um, Mr. John Elkington, who is uh, the author of Green Swans, the coming boon for regenerative capitalism. I, I'm kind of excited to have you join us, John, and it's very kind of you too as well. Um, Green swans as a term really came to my interest about a year ago um, when we were running an event in Geneva and I've looked more into that. And you're the author of this book, which is becoming the go-to source for inspiration, I believe, for sustainable change. Um, So you've written this amazing book. Um, Could you explain a little about your background and how how you came to write the book?
0: Well, well, thank you, Marcus. I mean, thanks firstly for the interest, and 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 secondly, thanks for the question. The answer is: Do you want a short one, uh, um, uh, a sound bite, or do you want a long one? I I, I try and do a mm-hmm. slightly extended short one. Um, okay. So, I've been fifty years this year in the environmental and then sustainability field. Uh, during that time, I've mainly focused on business uh, and and working with uh hundreds literally of companies and brands around the world um during that period though i've done uh well the green swans was my 20th book mm. uh i've just finished the 21st or in the process of doing that um and i got to green swans partly because i had helped launch the global sustainability movement uh going back to 1987, when I set up a company called sustainability at a time when nobody knew what that term meant, Mm, mm. to 1994, when I coined the term triple bottom line, uh, Mm. and then the next year, 95, people, planet, profit, which became part of the uh, the, the language uh, in the field. Um, And the idea of green swans was all of that stuff had been useful to have, but however hard we tried, we weren't trying hard enough. And my sense was uh, a fair few of the problems that we had been trying to address, including the climate crisis, including the biodiversity crisis and so on, were actually getting significantly worse on our watch. So the idea of green swans uh, is that uh, there are, at least potentially, exponential solutions to these great challenges. So what are they? Where are they? Who's working on them? Uh, How might we make them um, more broadly available? So that Mm. is a sort of shortish version of the story. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. And um,
1: obviously a green swan um, is very different to a black swan, isn't it? So um, did that play a role in kind of you defining that the kind of idea of the, of the concept of the green swan as being an event and an opportunity that is quite different to a black swan hmm.
0: well i mean at times i've, I've come up with totally yeah. new uh, yeah. language so for example in um 1988 with a colleague Julia Hales, I did a book called The Green Consumer Guide. And that the green consumer was a term that I came up with. The book mm. sold a million copies. was a runaway success. With green Swan, it mm. was different. Mm. Uh, Asim Nicholas Taleb uh, had written a book, The Black Swan, which mm. came out in 2007, just before the financial crash. Um, mm. And he was then seen to have been uh, almost clairvoyant about what was coming. Yeah. Uh, What he meant by a black swan was anything that comes out of the blue, takes us by surprise, has an impact that is pretty much off the scale, and then very often afterwards, after the thing has sort of faded away a bit, we sit down and try and understand what happened to us. And we don't do that job very well, so we, we misunderstand, and therefore we set ourselves up for failure. Now, he meant both problems that go exponential and solutions. But I thought, well... What would it be like if we just focused on the the positive bits, the the, the plus points, uh, and talked about green swans? So that 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 was where the idea came from. As it happened, as often often happens, uh, this parallel invention, mm-hmm. and the Bank of International Settlements, uh, more or less around the same time, came up with their own version of green swans, which for them were purely and solely exponential solutions or extremely rapidly scalable solutions to climate change. Whereas I'm thinking about this on a broader uh, um, horizon in a way. And for me, there are these things, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, there is a a flurry of them, 17 of them. Um, But in a way, the green swans I'm looking at could help develop solutions which blur across many of those sustainable development goals not all of them being uh climate change uh primarily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but 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 all of them having some sort of implication in that space
1: yeah and i, I really like the kind of optimism and the positivity around the theme and then it's it's kind of i think personally looking looking back on the, you know uh, i mean in uh, just giving you my personal impression in like mm. the, the Al Gore talk, The Inconvenient Truth, and to some extent, Preston Thunberg and so It's all—it's all very sort of doomy and, um, you yeah, know, gloomy, frankly. And um, and and I understand that needs to be put out there because that's the reality we're in. But it seems that the, the the kind of image you're painting is much more of a positive future and. And regenerative cap- capitalism is about using innovation to create solutions that are not damaging to the environment. Do, do you see? Do you see this boom occurring? Is, is, do you see it already occurring, or is it, it going to gain momentum over the coming kind of decade?
0: Hmm. I mean, a lot of these things are—I are, um, won't say fanciful—but it, it, hmm. it, it's like when people started to talk about the information technology, um, the new economy boom a lot of that sounded completely fanciful to people. I mean, the idea that you would actually have something called the internet that would operate in the way that we now take for granted, including doing, um, you know, conversations online uh, like this, for a lot of people, and I remember those times, uh, sounded delusional. It was sort of slightly something from science fiction. Now, I'm not saying that the regenerative uh, 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 capitalism boom is gonna happen uh, next Tuesday afternoon. I'm not saying it's gonna happen in this decade, but I'm I'm saying that if you look around the world, there are a remarkable number of projects, initiatives, uh, which are starting to play into that space. And some of those, I mean, for example, I've been talking to people like um, Azam Alwash, who's the guy who in Iraq, uh, broke the dams that Saddam Hussein had built to uh, basically strangulate the Iraqi marshes, which is a, an, uh, an ecosystem, or was, an ecosystem the size of whales. Um, and he basically turned it into virtually a desert, um, Saddam. Um, and Azam al-Wajid helped the local communities break uh, the the dams and the the marshes, which were... Traditionally, uh, they were the source of the story of the Garden of Eden. They were central to a lot of sort of Mesopotamian Mm. civilizations and so on. They're starting to come back. And I've talked to people in Brazil. I've talked to people in Costa Rica. I've talked to people in Africa and different parts of the world who are doing uh, likewise. And to some degree, the story is if you take the pressure off nature, she can spring back in some quite surprising Mm. ways. So if you take the fisheries, uh, activity out of the oceans. As long as you haven't pushed it too far, the, the those fish populations come back and, and the reanimated populations then spread to n- neighboring areas. It's something we're discovering off the coastline of um, Britain uh, as well. But I'm also talking about the way in which this becomes a business proposition and a business priority. Uh, and so, for example, um, you've got very major companies now uh, most notably walmart you know it was the world's biggest uh, retailer it, it tussles with amazon to see who's top but um their ceo in 2020 doug mcmillan uh, went very public by saying that he was determined to make walmart a regenerative company and, and and so for a lot of that will be to do with, with um, regenerative farming, regenerative uh, agriculture, uh, regenerative fisheries. Um, but you've now got PepsiCo, you've got Unilever, you've got Danone. You know, many of these big companies are now coming into this uh, space. There's always a, a, a risk here of regeneration or green or impact washing um, uh, and i'm sure we'll see some of that the thing, the reason why i embraced regeneration and it isn't i don't see it as an alternative to sustainability it's i think it's always been part of the sustainability change agenda but i do see i, I it's harder to um um pretend uh in in the world of regeneration either you're regenerative or you're not um scale of that activity is then the question where sustainability people can say well, we do a sustainability report well 96 percent of major companies now do those sustainability reports it doesn't mean they're anything like uh sustainable um so anyway that i i find it immensely exciting i find the people that i'm meeting in that space um really profoundly interesting and just to give you one final example i mean i uh I went to Cornwall in 1977, and I, I was taken around a huge hole in the ground, which was an English china glaze pit, it's one of the largest quarries in the world. Uh, I had no idea then that that were, that that hole would be turned into the Eden Project by Tim uh, Smith uh, team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Tim's a great friend now, and he, you know, I, 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 I admire enormously not only what he's done with Eden, which is, you know, mm. pulled over two billion pounds into the regional economy. They've had over twenty million visitors. Uh, they're now going to Morecambe Bay. They're going to Costa Rica. They're going to different parts of the world with the mm. same proposition. That to me is regeneration, and to me that's also regeneration as a business proposition.
1: Mm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, Net zero seems to be the word that a lot of the brands are using, retailers are using, seems to be in the language now. Would regeneration be one step on from net zero?
0: Well, I think net Uh, zero is enormously important. It's it's largely used in relation to uh, carbon Mm. dioxide and other greenhouse gases. Um, So, for example, for several years now, uh, we at my... um, change agency called Volants based in London, we've been working with the House of Commons um, with something called Bankers for Net Zero. So we've we've set up a platform where uh, leading, particularly retail banks, can come together to help think through and then support um, net zero activity by small and medium-sized enterprises across uh, the country. Now, I think net zero is really important. And I think zero is... um, Uh, you know, it's an attractive and mobilizing concept up to a point, but it basically, it it, it is basically about squeezing out something that is bad. And I think most people, most of us want to know, well, you know, if we've got bad things out there, by all means, let's sort of press down on them. But how does this actually result in something better? I mean, uh, outcomes that people would really like to see uh, in the world. And, um, So I I think people are now talking about uh, beyond net zero. They're talking about uh, um, net positive. um, And regeneration, as you said, is very much part of that next phase. It doesn't remotely say that net zero is not important. That is a stepping stone on the journey towards um, regeneration worthy of the name. I just want one very quick point, which is that um, I mentioned the triple bottom line, which was sort of economic, social, Mm mental value added or destroyed uh, sort of an accounting approach in a way and many people who think about regeneration think about it as environmental restoration and that is a critical and fundamental part of it of course but economic and social and political regeneration are, are, are crucial are all crucial elements of the story and by god we need uh, that sort of regeneration uh, now on every front and in in many countries around the world
1: Yeah, absolutely. The um, polarisation is quite um, damaging, isn't it? Um, In terms of progress, I I, I completely agree. Um, In terms of driving change, you certainly answered this already, but I'll ask in many days. Um, What, in your view, is the most powerful influence? Regulation? Obviously, we just touched on political or innovation, or is it a confluence of both?
0: Well, I think, I, you know, it's a good question, but I, but I think it's uh, not, not either or, it is indeed both and, where right. uh, innovation makes things possible, uh, where in the past you, for example, might have had, I don't know, the European Commission battling away with the European automotive industry about emissions. Uh, and you know, I, I was talking to somebody just yesterday who now works with Tetra Pak, but he came out of that wor- world working with Ford and he described the nature of the the, um, uh, the negotiations, and very often the story was, yeah, you know, yeah, we'd we'd love to have a cleaner world, but this is the nature of the internal combustion engine, and you know there are limits to how much we can do. Bang! Elon Musk is suddenly there with uh, you know the Tesla and so on. Bang! Suddenly the uh, world, not just the European. Uh, or American um, uh, automotive industries are having to convert to an extremely different form of uh, locomotion or automation or whatever it is. Um, And so the story changes. So there's innovation playing an absolutely critical, disruptive role. And what's really exciting about this moment in time, as you will know, is that 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 disruption is happening in almost every sector you care to name in food you've got synthetic uh, biology and precision fermentation in the renewable energy you've got these extraordinary plummeting uh, price points for for um, electricity produced by uh, wind or solar uh, systems and so on and and so on and so on um so it it's an extraordinary uh, period to be alive but none of that means that government activity is not important in fact it's actually essential and i think it's really interesting at the moment to see you know the us uh, inflation reduction act uh, which has been a massive boost uh, to american uh, industry in terms of all of these um, good climate uh, friendly uh, solutions suddenly triggering a scramble in other parts of the world saying, oh, God, our major companies, you know, uh, are, are thinking about moving to uh, America because the, the 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 incentives, the subsidies are so much greater. There. Mm-hmm. The, all, the, all of this stuff that's been on the margins of society, on the margins and edges of our economies, are now starting to come absolutely Uh, you know, uh, center stage. And as that happens, something else is happening, which is all of this is becoming much more political and much more politicized, which is why you have now the pushback against ESG, environmental, social, and governance uh, investment, for example, in the United States, where you have individual states like Texas or Louisiana or Florida, basically saying to the people who are trying to do ESG, uh, if you're going to do, if you're going to uh, Prioritize environment, for example, that really means you're going to avoid fossil fuels. Therefore, we don't want you to provide any services for our state. And what you find in Texas is, for example, the five biggest banks have now pulled out of Texas, so because you know, they're committed to ESG, they see that as properly part of uh, capitalism. Uh, and yet, you've got these rearguard actions being fought by ideologues and 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 also just people trying to protect the industries that they've had for a long time uh, and take for granted for tax revenues or whatever, employment, whatever it happened to be. But that stuff is going. Um, and the question is just how fast? And 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 as that happens, how do governments, and I think it has to be governments, make sure that our workforces are properly skilled for these new jobs that will uh, be out there? Uh, and that the sort of the the social shock waves of all of this uh, are moderated to the point where people are broadly um, able to make sense of of these changes happening so fast. And the reason, just finally, that the, they're they're happening so fast is we delayed action for so long, um, and so as a result, the people in Silicon Valley talk uh, of a gradually than suddenly world, referring back to Hemingway's novel. Uh, the sun also rises. And the notion there is that you know, things creep along for a very long time. Nothing seems to happen. And then suddenly, bang, you've got one of these inflection points and things happen in very short order. Now, you, you look at what's happened in Ukraine. You look at what's happened with the pandemic. All of these things are triggers of some of these acceleration curves. And really, that's what I was talking about in, in Green Swans.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I think I think it was at the beginning of the COVID period you started to write that, or it was published. Is that right? But COVID yeah. isn't
0: even mentioned in the book. I mean, the risk of pandemic no, before, uh, yeah. Like, but it, but it, it, it published published. Mm. It came out right at the beginning of twenty mm. twenty. The book, okay. uh, and obviously the COVID slammed in yeah. uh, mm. shortly afterwards.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's um, a few things you said that were really interesting. We'll Picking up, and I think this is one of the. Uh, one of the things i think you mentioned the tesla example and what what i think is also amazing about tesla is is the desirability of the products it's it's got all of the it's got all of the branding value of something that is previously not good for the environment say like a a gas guzzling hum hum, yeah hummer or humvee whatever but but actually it's like hugely desirable it's 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 a kind of a statement which cars are anyway and um it's utilising all of the emotional triggers that people want to be seen in these vehicles, as yeah. well as it having the, you know, still relevant, very relevant value of it being good for the environment and also potentially good for your pocket at a time in terms of running. Um, so, yeah, and I think more and more the, um, sustainability becoming a desirable thing rather than seen as something that is perhaps costly and um, or even punitive uh, on occasions well
0: it, it, it's interesting on, on on um early next week i'm in uh, munich talking to the board of a, a very ma- major a sort of private mm-hmm. equity uh fund and one of, one of the themes i'm going to be uh, uh developing there is the fact that we're going from sustainability and, and 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 climate friendliness and things like that being an option and as you say Traditionally, that option has been something you could volunteer to embrace, and you might have to pay a price premium for that, um, to something that is actually the default setting of the economy as a whole. And sometimes that can happen very, very fast indeed. Now, we're struggling in the UK, for example, with the um, the electric vehicle. Uh, revolution we're not getting charging points out there as fast as we might uh an industry like the car industry in munich is struggling with the the fact that all of our hard-won skills around fine-tuning the internal combustion engine exquisite engineering in 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 in, um, germany for example counts for nothing when suddenly, you know, the 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 powertrain is 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 radically different. Suddenly, you need a lot less people, a lot less servicing, and I just just to pick up your point on on the attractiveness of some of these products. I mean, I I've I, I've tracked Elon Musk since two thousand and three, when I was working with Ford, actually with Bill Ford there, and and. um I, I, I spotted Mars, thought he was interesting, was told by people, not just in Ford, but in Detroit, uh, yeah, electric vehicles, we tried those 100 years ago, didn't work then, it's not going to work now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that same mistake is being made in industry after industry, economy after economy, people are not seeing what's coming at them. And what's coming at them very hard. But the interesting thing is that there are immense opportunities here. That you know, the people who, who seize these opportunities will become, if not the billionaires, I mean, certainly the the the, the wealthy and the, the the powerful of the future. And I think part of our challenge is to make sure that the right people uh, get in there, not the wrong ones.
1: No, absolutely, and it's incredibly exciting. And I think um, timing is is critical. I use a slide where you've got one of the Tesla's cars which look amazing and do you remember the sinclair c5
0: oh God I do <laughs> I
1: mean its timing was out but obviously not quite as cool looking as a as a Tesla but um yeah and um, with with the eco print, obviously we're we will be placing the idea of positive change really central to the agenda um, and yeah. you know we don't want to be hectoring our industry we want to be creating that kind of mo- mobilizing um, people that care and also people that are prepared to change on a more sustainable sector. What, what kind of advice might you give maybe us and businesses in our sector? Um,
0: well, it, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because when, when you think about the footprint of major industries, and by that I mean sort of the environmental footprint, although increasingly people are becoming agitated about the political imprint, the, or mm. footprint that the big companies have but let's just stick with the environmental footprint then you look at the big scheme of things that the print industry is not a massive uh problem yes it it, it uses energy yes the inks contain sometimes mm. toxic materials and all the rest of it but if you look back several hundred years the the, the print the printing and publishing industry has been incredibly important in building our civilization no question mm. along the way I mean, you think about the religious wars in Europe that were triggered by uh, you know um Luther's uh, principles and so on. there have been all of these sort of side consequences, side uh, side effects mm. from printing and publishing. Uh, and now we've got the same thing happening with the digital uh, media and 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 the scale of what's I was just reading this morning, for example, that um with chat which i've i've I've, I've experimented with, but I had, something I would never thought about is if you're a contrarian, you want to disprove uh, that climate change is a thing and that we're responsible and that we're going to have to act. Well, you can actually use ChatGPT to generate a scientific paper with lots and lots of references, uh, which looks incredibly credible, and which most normal people would find hard to distinguish from something as peer-reviewed, peer-reviewed, oh. and so on. So you've got all this sort of false fact. Uh, for um, uh, uh, all these problems, sort of spraying out left, right, and centre, I think there are two elements to the challenge of um, for the print industry. One is just trying to make sure it's a good citizen that that, that its uh, environmental footprint, including the energy components, water components, and so on, are squeezed out as 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 low as they possibly can be. But also then. Making sure that whatever, and it's difficult because you know we're talking here about printers, not not the publishers who are doing the the actual content. So in a sense, these are almost servants of that process. So, but but I nonetheless think the the, the challenge for that industry as a whole, so the the, the printing component and the publishing component uh, and so on, is just to ensure that that uh, we do maintain print media because there's something about print media which I think is. I don't know. I, I, Marshall McLuhan talked about hot and cool media, but I'd, there's something about print which triggers rational thought, and there's something about digital media which doesn't, which triggers something quite different. So um, mm-hmm. I, I do think the um, the industry has uh, some some printing companies have done a great deal uh, already, and 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 there is always this question: Is would you be better off? in terms of uh, environmental footprint if the whole thing went online. I think that's only part of the equation, part of the story. I think there are other mm. things you need to consider.
1: No, and it's an interesting point you make, that it triggers rationality, whereas a lot of online does the opposite. And, that, yeah, you know, books can't be accused of fake news, can they? Um, well, listen, thanks so much for joining us, John. That was a re- very it's awesome conversation. And, I, you know, I hope to um, perhaps... Reconnect in the future, and um, you know, very kind of you to join us. And really interesting conversation.
0: So, um, a lot. If, if hmm. your next EcoPrint uh, event, as I'm sure it will do, it sprays out all sorts of uh, yeah, this like, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd be fascinated to know about where that where that's taking you and the industry more broadly. So, Abs- again, absolutely, yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you maybe part of the future event as well. Excellent, thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe now for more great audio content coming up and visit futureprint.tech for the
0: latest news, partner interviews, in-depth industry research, and to catch up on content from Futureprint events. We'll see you next time on the Futureprint podcast.